open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, the Old Testament book of Proverbs. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is a white paperback Bible underneath one of the chairs in front of you, and Proverbs begins on page 304, so I would invite you to grab one of those Bibles and open to Proverbs. How many of you, I wonder, have had an experience where you have said something and as soon as the words came out of your mouth, you wish you hadn't said it? How many of you have ever made a financial decision that set you back for a long time? You thought it was going to make a lot of money for you and it didn't work out quite that way. How many of you have been faced with a situation where there were two sides of an argument and you heard one side and you made this conclusion and you were absolutely sure that you were right and then you heard the other side of the story and you realized you were completely wrong. How many of you have missed a deadline or an appointment because you decided to sleep in or you got caught up in your video games? How many of you have whispered something to somebody that you were told not to share? How many of you have blown up in anger and defensiveness when someone came to you to confront you or challenge you about something that they were concerned about in your life? How many of you have made a promise that you couldn't keep? How many of you have tried to encourage somebody? You, you started to speak words that you thought would bless and you found out it just hurt the person more. And you didn't really understand. I was trying to be a help here. And you made it worse. Fused counsel, advice given to you by somebody, only to find out many years later that if you had followed that advice, it would have saved you a lot of heartache. We could go on and on with a number of these kinds of examples. There's one thing in each of these cases that would have helped you avoid the pain and difficulty that resulted from a bad decision in those situations. And the word is wisdom. In each one of those cases, what was needed the most was a sense of wisdom. Today, we're starting a new sermon series on the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is called a wisdom book. And we're going to be spending the next several weeks just looking at the Proverbs to learn more about how to live wisely in this life. We are Christians. We celebrate the gospel. What the gospel tells us, as we've already heard in our confession and insurance, that in the work of Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. And one of the things that we enjoy the most as Christians is that hope that we will live after we die, that there is a heaven that is promised to us that will last for an eternity. But the Christian life is not just about life after death. It's about life before death, too. It's about living a different kind of life with the years that God has given to us on this earth. And living in this world, fallen as it is, can very often be confusing, perplexing, and confounding. Isn't that right? I mean, there are some things that are pretty easy to know when we think about what is right and wrong. Uh, if you've ever had a desire to murder somebody, you can look to the Word and be pretty clear that's not God's will for you. 
you ever thought about committing adultery, you can look at the Word and be very clear that's not God's will for you. There are some places where the law of God makes it very clear right and wrong. But there's a lot of parts, areas of our lives where it's just not that easy. It's not that cut and dry. It's not that black and white. It's much more of a gray area, and that's where wisdom comes in handy. And that's what the book of Proverbs provides for us, and that's what we're going to be looking at in this series. Today we're just going to do a short kind of introduction to Proverbs. We're going to be thinking about the blessing of wisdom by looking at just the first seven verses of the first chapter of the book of Proverbs. And then what we're going to do is uh, just take various Proverbs from this book and kind of compile them under different topics. So we'll have a sermon about anger, a sermon about words and how we use them, uh, a sermon about friendship, about work, about family, about sexuality, all of these issues that are covered in Proverbs. Proverbs isn't like a linear kind of story. It's just basically a collection of Proverbs. So we're just going to be kind of gathering them together under these topics and considering them. But it's appropriate that we begin by just seeing what is Proverbs about. And again, that's what we have here in the first seven verses. So if you please stand for the reading of God's Word, Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. Proverbs 1, starting with verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. God, would you please send your spirit to open our eyes to behold wonderful things in the Proverbs this morning and in this series. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So just a, a little background here about Proverbs. In the very first verse here, we see very clearly who has written Proverbs the Proverbs of Solomon, it says. Now, not every one of the Proverbs in this book has been written by Solomon. There are some other places where we are told that others wrote them, but the majority of the book is written by this man, Solomon, who was the son of David. Now, you might know something about the story of Solomon. We learn about him in the book of 1 Kings, and Solomon has a reputation for being a man of great wisdom. So, here's uh, 1 Kings chapter 4 says, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt for he was wiser than all other men. So this is a guy with an unusual amount of wisdom and under the guidance of of the Holy Spirit, Solomon was led to write these things down in this book of Proverbs for the blessing of the covenant community. And that's us, New Life Presbyterian. These Proverbs are written for us. So 
three things that we want to talk about here today. First of all, I'm going to talk about what wisdom is, and then why we should seek it, and then thirdly, how we can get it. Those three things. So first of all, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? We see very clearly uh, here at the beginning of this passage that this is what the book of Proverbs is about. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, here's what he wants to do through the book to help us to know wisdom. Very first thing he says, verse 2, to understand words of insight. Three, to receive instruction in wise dealing. So what Solomon wants is for you and me to be wise people in the way we live. Now, how do we think about what wisdom is? And I think a good way to, to do this is to think about the distinction between wisdom and knowledge. Because it might be easy to get these two mixed up, and they're not the same. There is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the understanding of facts, the gathering of information, um, taking things that we know to be true, assembling them, making sense of them. That's knowledge, the gathering of information. Wisdom is distinct from knowledge in that it is the way we take the things we know and we apply them to daily life situations. So it's very possible for a person to be knowledgeable and not be wise. It's possible for a person to be brilliant, to be intelligent, to have a head filled with all kinds of information and not to be wise. There's a difference between the two. If I could use a sports example, um, there's a certain level of knowledge involved in knowing how to shoot a three-point shot knowing how to square up your feet, knowing how to keep your elbows straight, knowing how to bend your knees and jump, keep your eye on the rim, that's knowledge. But wisdom has to do with when to take the three-point shot. You know, there are some people very good at shooting, and they shoot all the time, and we would say they're not a wise basketball player. There's a difference between knowing how to shoot and the wisdom in knowing when to shoot. Or think of a doctor. A doctor might have immense knowledge of the human body, and he knows what's healthy and unhealthy, and yet this doctor spends his time never exercising, smoking three packs of cigarette a day, and eating fast food all day long. Even though he has a lot of knowledge about the body, he's not eating wisely. And so there's this important distinction here. You know, friends, it is possible for a person to, um, you know, not have completed the eighth grade to be intellectually challenged uh, like my friend uh, from Alton named George, who um, in his 40s was working a job picking up golf balls at a shooting range, and uh, he'll never do anything more than that all of his life. Um, he's someone who has limited knowledge, but he loved Jesus, loved the Bible, and loved God. He's a wise man. And there are people who might have a Ph.D. in astrophysics. They might be teaching at Harvard or Oxford, and yet they deny the existence of God and they defy Him. And even though this person's head is filled with knowledge, we would say he's not wise. And in fact, what we would say is that he is a fool. The Bible says it is the fool who says there is no God. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But you see here the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Just having a lot of information in your head does not make you wise. 
So here are some definitions of uh, wisdom that I've kind of gathered in some of the things that I've been reading. I know that type's a little bit small. Hopefully you can read that. Um, first definition, wisdom is the ability to read a situation and make the right decision. That's wisdom. Um, competence to understand how life really works. That's wisdom. Understanding the way things really are. You know, imagine someone who's colorblind and trying to make decisions about, you know, interior decorating or putting clothes together. That person can't do that because the person doesn't see how colors really work together. Well, the foolish person is, is the person who doesn't see how life really works and doesn't want any help with understanding how life really works. Wisdom tells us the color, the moral color scheme so that we can understand how things fit together. Wisdom is the ability to make good decisions and act on them in a way that makes a difference. These are a little bit longer if you want just a nice, short, punchy definition of wisdom. I think this is really good. Skill in the art of godly living. That's wisdom. Wisdom is what you need. Knowledge is a good thing, and so don't hear me denigrating knowledge in, in any way. In fact, I'm going to devote one full sermon to the pursuit of knowledge because the Proverbs talk a lot about that. So we'll talk about that in this series, the pursuit of knowledge, very important. But it's wisdom that you need, not necessarily knowledge, when your teenage unmarried daughter comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. Then you need some wisdom. When you decide you need to go talk to your neighbor about the fact that his dog is barking every night at 2 a.m., that's when you need wisdom. When a coworker of the opposite sex keeps asking you to go to lunch and you're married, that takes wisdom. When you're impassioned about something and you want to share your thoughts on social media and you're sitting there typing up your post for Facebook, and you're deciding what to say and what not to say. That takes wisdom. When you're thinking about what friends to hang out with, who are you going to choose to spend your time with after school, on the weekends? Knowledge doesn't really help a whole lot with that, but wisdom does. Husbands, when your wife comes to you and says, what do you think of my new haircut? And you're not sure if you like it. Your response Depends on wisdom. So how is wisdom presented to us? Here in the Proverbs, it's pretty clear. In the first verse, it says the Proverbs of Solomon. So the way that wisdom is being conveyed to us in this book is through Proverbs. Proverbs are just like short, practical truths that are easy to remember. That, that's a proverb. Look before you leap. Modern day example of a proverb. And so starting with verse 10, excuse me, chapter 10 in Proverbs, through the rest of the book, through chapter 31, um, the book is mostly Proverbs. Chapters 1 through 9 are kind of more introductory uh, to Proverbs, but the majority of this book is compiled of just these short, little, easy-to-remember, punchy phrases. And it's interesting that the, the word for proverb here, listed in verse 1, the Hebrew word, uh, is actually based on another word that means to represent or to be like. 
And so what Proverbs are really doing is giving us verbal representations of daily life. They're, again, showing us the way things really are so that we can get a view of what it's like before we step into it. And so that's why some of these verses are written to uh, the, the youth and to the simple in verse 4 in particular. It's not just for young people, but the idea is that the young are typically people who haven't had a whole lot of life experiences, and so the Proverbs are here giving the young pictures of what's going to happen if you do this or do that or do this. And so the wisdom of God comes through Solomon here through the Proverbs in this way. And so here's the way I want you guys to look at Proverbs as we go through this. Don't see Proverbs as just a list of a a bunch of demands on your life. Don't look at Proverbs as just more obligations, more things you have to do, more things to feel guilty about that you're not doing well enough. Don't look at the Proverbs that way. The Proverbs are not quite the same as law. The Proverbs are here for our assistance. The Proverbs come from the grace of God to help us lead, to help lead us through a confusing, perplexing life. Ray Ortland says it like this. In Proverbs, God does not intend to crush us with layer upon layer of demand. He intends to help us. The book of Proverbs is practical help from God for weak people like us, stumbling through daily life. It's his counsel for the perplexed, his strength for the defeated, his warning to the proud, his mercy to the broken. So we should come to the Proverbs with our hearts filled with expectation that God through this is going to help protect us from a lot of heartache in the wisdom that we gain. So that's what wisdom is, skill in the art of godly living. But secondly, why should I seek wisdom? Maybe that seems self-evident after what I've just told you, but um, apparently this is not self-evident to everybody. I, I saw a story in the Huffington Post from March of 2017, and the headline was this, Top 10 things people want in life but can't seem to get. And number one on the list was probably surprised nobody, happiness. Happiness. People want happiness, but it seems elusive. They can't seem to get it. And the list goes on. Number two was money. Um, other things on the list, peace, joy, balance, fulfillment, confidence, but there's something missing. I didn't see wisdom on that list. Ten things, but not wisdom. If someone asked you that, ten things that you want in life, but you find hard to get, would wisdom be on your list? Would it, would it occur to you that, you know, I need more wisdom, and I'd sure like to find out how to get it? Apparently, the readers of this particular poll didn't find it very important. What's really ironic is that through wisdom is the best way to attain all of the things on the list. It's by living a wise life that we find happiness, joy, fulfillment, balance, and, and even money, quite frankly. A wise handling of our finances uh, can be actually a way of uh, increasing our wealth. So wisdom does not seem to be in high demand in our culture. But according to the book of Proverbs and according to the Bible, 
it is something that is absolutely necessary for us as God's people to be seeking diligently. A few examples. Proverbs 3. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> I mean, how could you get any more simple? The beginning of the wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. The most wise thing you can do is seek wisdom. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than to get gold? How much better is it to be wise than it is to be rich? How much better is it to be wise than to have a huge house or to have three cars or to be able to take three cruises a year or to have a huge portfolio with unlimited money that will keep you comfortable until the day you die? Those might be good things, but it's not as good as wisdom. It's better than gold. So why is it that we should seek wisdom? Well, verses 2 through 6 tell us this. Verses 2 through 6 give us some insight here into what is good about wisdom. First of all, verse 2. Look what he says. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Wisdom gives insight to us. I I, I like this definition of of insight. It's when the non-obvious becomes obvious. When the thing kind of below the surface kind of rises to the surface. Wisdom is kind of an ability to read between the lines. You know, so much of life is just not right out front. It takes an understanding of what's going on behind. The wise person can kind of see through that. The wise person can see things that other people can't. And that comes from wisdom. Verse 3, we see that wisdom leads... To, um, or through wisdom we receive instruction for wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. Through wisdom we get the ability to make decisions that uphold what is right and what is just and what is fair. I mean, anybody who has employees underneath him or her should really value this. Anybody who's a parent trying to make decisions that are just and fair with regard to complaints coming from your children. That comes from wisdom. And we see a story of this in 1 Kings 3. Do you remember this? Uh, It's kind of an amusing story about Solomon again. Um, Solomon actually begins, uh, or in 1 Kings, the story of Solomon's life begins with him asking for wisdom. And then in chapter 3, we get to see how God did grant him that wisdom when two prostitutes came to him. And they said, uh, each of us had a child on the same day, but one of the children is dead and the other one is alive. And both these prostitutes are saying, Solomon, uh, help us understand, who does this child belong to? Because both of these mothers were saying, the living child is mine. One's dead, one's alive, and they're both fighting over this living child. So Solomon, what do we do? It's a perfect example of of the kind of issue that we face in our lives where it's just like, you know, somebody comes to you, they have a question, your first reaction is, I have no idea what to say here. But somehow, by the grace of God, Solomon comes up with this plan. And he says this, here's what we'll do. We'll take the living baby and we'll cut him in half and I'll give one half to you and one half to you. So each of you can have half a baby. Now, of course, Solomon never intended to actually do that, 
But what he found was that one of the women said, no, 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 please don't do that. And the other woman said, no big deal. That's what you want to do? Fine. And Solomon looked and said, that woman who doesn't want that baby cut in half, that's the mother. Give the baby to her. And it says at the end of the passage, everyone saw the wisdom that had been given to Solomon to do justice. So he was able to make a decision that was fair and that was right and that held up the truth, the blessing of wisdom. Verse 4, we see also from wisdom that uh, it gives prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. The simple is just kind of the, the inexperienced person, very similar to um, a, a youth, not necessarily a young person, but a person who is unsophisticated, inexperienced. And what the passage says is that through wisdom, the simple person can be prudent, can be discreet, can know how to resist temptations that come from the world. The simple person, through wisdom, can make a good decision about that. In other words, you don't have to be sophisticated in order to be wise. I mean, if any of you are kind of insecure about what you know or your intelligence or your education, you should be encouraged. Maybe you don't know as much as others, but you can be wise, and you can make good, discreet decisions through the gaining of wisdom. Verse 5. What about if you are wise? Maybe you're a person who says, you know, I am wise. And, you know, maybe that's not a boastful thing. Maybe you're an older person. You've had a lot of experience. You consider yourself to be a person who is fairly wise and has a lot to say. What about you? Well, according to verse 5, you need to keep pursuing wisdom. <laughs> Look what it says. To under, uh, let the wise hear and increase in learning. Let the wise increase in learning. None of us should ever get to the point where we think, well, you know what? I've graduated from the school of wisdom, and I know everything that I need to know. All I have to do is teach others and make people listen to me. That's the sign of a fool. Are you willing to listen to others? Do you have a teachable attitude? Are you one who's willing to listen when other people talk? Verse 5 tells us it's wise, even for the wise, to want to continue to learn. And then verse 6, kind of a practical way to gain wisdom. He talks about understanding a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Through wisdom, we gain the ability to understand what wise people are saying. And when you're around kind of more sophisticated, wise, knowledgeable, educated people, you might sometimes feel kind of intimidated, and you might kind of feel like they're talking in riddles because you don't really understand what they're saying half the time. That's what he's referring to. But there's wisdom, friends, in hanging around with those kinds of people. So if you want a practical suggestion for how to be wise, hang around with wise people. Don't be intimidated. Don't flee. Hang in there with them, listen to what they have to say, and learn from their riddles. I read that uh, Billy Graham committed himself at one time in his life to reading one chapter of Proverbs a day each month. 31 days in a month, 31 chapters in Proverbs. And he gave himself to that task for many years. I don't know if he's still doing that now, but all I can say is that Billy Graham is 98 years old. 
and he's a man of impeccable character. Is there hardly anything bad to say about Billy Graham? <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't like some of his theology or some of his preaching, but, but that man has maintained integrity for 98 years. And I just wonder if there's any connection between that and his devotion to the Proverbs. These are reasons why we should seek wisdom. Lastly, how do I get wisdom? How do I get wisdom? Two things. One, you must adopt an attitude. We see this in verse 7. It's the fear of the Lord. This is where wisdom begins, the beginning of knowledge, and it's fools who despise wisdom. But it's all rooted in an attitude of fear. Now, what does the Bible mean when it talks about fearing God? It doesn't mean a cringing kind of dread of God where you're always looking over your shoulder waiting for God to strike you down. That's not the fear that's in mind here. It's, it's, a, it's an attitude of surrender to his will. It's a humility to be instructed. It's a reverence for his greatness. It's an awe of who he is. That's what the Bible means by fear. And what the Proverbs are telling us here is that that's the first step toward wisdom. That's the gateway to wisdom, an attitude toward God. That's why the Bible says, the fool says there is no God, because if you don't believe there's a God, that's beginning in foolishness, and it's hard to go from foolishness to wisdom unless you get to the point where you become reverent and awestruck by God. That's the ABCs of wisdom. I mean, you cannot, friends, play Beethoven unless you know your scales, and you cannot learn calculus unless you know 2 plus 2 is 4, and you can't read Shakespeare unless you know the alphabet, and you cannot be wise unless you fear God. That's what the passage is telling us here. But there's something else we learn. It's not just an attitude that is the way to wisdom, but you must accept a person. There's an attitude toward God in general, but there's also an acceptance of a person. It says here in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David. What the Bible will tell us as we look at the whole counsel of God is that Proverbs are not just like riddles or codes to be cracked, but what we find is that wisdom is a person. The son of David. Solomon was the son of David. You know, another son of David came many generations later. And his name was Jesus. And Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 says, In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. It's like Proverbs, we have wisdom in written form. In Jesus, we have wisdom in human form. In Matthew chapter 12, look what Jesus says here. He says, the queen of the south, it's referring to the queen of Sheba, will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon from 1 Kings 10. But behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Referring to himself. What Jesus is saying is Solomon was wise, but someone better than him is here. Someone wiser than him. Someone more righteous than him is here. The Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Friends, the wisest thing that you can do is turn to that Jesus and receive him as your Savior. 
the most foolish thing you can do is reject the offer of salvation that is given to you, offered to you in the gospel. Do you want to be wise? Don't just fear God, but receive Jesus. Accept the person of Christ and come to see the immense wisdom that is inherent in the gospel. John Piper said it this way. I love this. He says, in the wisdom of God, the love of God figured out a way to deliver sinners from the wrath of God without compromising the justice of God. That's the wisdom of God. No wonder we started our service saying, oh, the depth and the riches of the wisdom of God, to devise a way for sinful people who have rebelled against Him to be freely forgiven, welcomed into the kingdom without God's justice being compromised one bit and exalting His mercy and grace and favor for those who have rebelled against Him. What wisdom in the gospel. So if you want to be wise, receive Jesus. And there's some very obvious common sense things to do. How do you get wisdom? Start with Jesus, but then ask God. Ask God. What does it say in James? If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously and without reproach. Pray about that. Ask Him to make you wise and he will. And another way you can get wisdom is to continue to join us for this sermon series. And we'll pick it up next Sunday. We're going to talk about words and uh, the wise use of those. And uh, by God's grace, continue through the Proverbs for the next several weeks. So let's pray now uh, for God's blessing. God in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, that there is immense wisdom in you, and we acknowledge our need for it. Lord, make us wise individuals, make us a wise church, and use this sermon series, Father, to bless and edify us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.